Yeah, that's such a good question, man. I, I, I try often to flash back to that because I do think it, it keeps me grounded and it keeps my foundation set and what I dreamed of as a child and really after as many days as possible and say today was a good day, the whole thing. For whatever reason, I am taken more legitimate now than I was before the <laughs> Oh, it was, dude. You, should, you didn't want to know me back then. That was a sad time in life. Gee. What's up and welcome back to another episode of Redirected. I'm your host, Andrew East, and this is a show where we sit down and talk with people about how they made it through some of life's unexpected events. Today, we sit down and talk with a crowd favorite, Ben Higgins, who appeared on The Bachelorette and The Bachelor and a couple other TV shows. And we talk about how he got into doing reality TV. And he also shares about the things he's doing now, including a podcast of his own and a company that he started called Generous Coffee, which has a great charitable mission behind it. I enjoyed this conversation with Ben. And if you haven't yet, make sure that you subscribe to the show and maybe give it a rating. Our goal here is to help inspire and encourage others to make it through whatever unexpected or challenging event that they are confronting in life. And you subscribing and rating helps us accomplish that goal. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this one with Ben Higgins. Ben Higgins, thank you for joining the show today, man. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you too, man. Thanks for uh, having me. Dude, I just got to say right off the bat that it is good to meet a fellow Hoosier. Dude, there is something about people from Indiana uh, that just stands out. Yeah. I think it's just our like our forced simplicity. <laughs> uh, but uh, man, it's nice to meet you too. Yeah, so I, I grew up in Indianapolis. I know you're from Warsaw, which is kind of out in the, the boondocks. But um, you, went to, you went to IU, right? I did. I graduated from Indiana in 2012, um, grew up in Warsaw, and uh, then moved out to Denver. Nice, man. You loving it out west? I love it. Yeah, I mean, I miss Indiana. I miss a lot of parts of it. The thing I don't miss is the weather. Um, the weather is rough in Indiana, and, and I don't miss that, but everything else I do miss about it, but I love Denver. It's, it's one of the best cities I've ever been to. Do you have plans of ever moving you or the family back to Indiana? Ooh. Um, no, you know what I would love? My dream would be to spend like July and August in Indiana. So somehow find a way to be like summers in Indiana, winters in Denver, uh, or wherever else. Um, but like summers in Indiana. Wow. That's that old people style right there. Talking about vacation homes and everything, Ben. I dig it, man. Uh, you're hey, the only, t what I have a, I have a theory you're, you're, that uh, if you get to know me better, that if I can like set my life up to be like an old person's early in life, then as I get older, my lifestyle doesn't have to change too much and I'll be happy. So yeah, like I want to, I want to act like I'm retired early so that when I do retire, it's not a big change. Does that include Velcro shoes and, and uh, you know, wearing the same polo every day or? You know, you'd laugh, but I do own a pair of Velcro that I wear often. <laughs> yep. I can't judge, man. No, no, no. Harm <laughs> um, you're an only child, though, too. So my wife, Sean, is an only child. I grew up middle of five, and I'm oh, wow. really, I, I really have begun to understand and appreciate the differences that having siblings can lead to, you know? But. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming your wife is just a tremendous human, uh, <laughs> yeah. but she probably had... <laughs> at least we'll say it right um but uh I would assume like there's things that you're noticing and 
that she probably never even realized it happened. Uh, you know, it's kind of been caused by being an only child. I am an only child. You know, I, I try really hard in my life to not act like one because I've met some really horrid only children. You seem pretty mellow, kind of like kind of understanding and considerate to other people, which, you know, all things considered is, is a adversity to overcome if you're an only child. But uh, Dude, thank you for that. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. You'd have to let me know. Um, hey, so this show is all about people who have had interesting career pivots and you certainly qualify for that. I'm curious, going, <laughs> going into IU, what, what were your plans for life and your career? Yeah, that's such a good question, man. I, I, I try often to flash back to that because I do think it, it is like a, it keeps me grounded and it keeps my foundation set and what I dreamed of as a child and as a young adult to kind of where I'm at now. And, um, when I went to IU, my dream was to really be in, in some type of work environment that had a tangible impact on people. Um, like the, the, the thing I wanted was always to find an inner like purpose to why I was doing what I was doing. Not saying that I had to necessarily be in like, uh, any type of like altruistic, like workplace, but even if I was in software, I'd be wanting to work for a software company that's helping humans develop better lives. Mm -hmm. That was kind of my path in college. That was kind of my, my foresight. Um, and so walking into Indiana university, I got a business degree with the hope that one day I'd be working in some type of business that was given back. So I, I did notice that you, uh, you had a post where you're trying to help somebody raise funds for like a YWAM mission. Are you involved with youth with a mission or any mission organizations? Yeah, definitely. So a part of my story, it's always like interesting and it's, it's been really great for me personally, but my life is like, su is super confusing. I think if you don't re recognize or realize that like Jesus is, is at the center of it. And so a lot of what I do, people are like, Oh, that's great. But you're doing it to be self-serving. Well, at some level, yeah, I really enjoy the feeling of, of not feeling like I'm scum. That's a great, that's a good feeling. The other part of that is I do believe it is like a calling um, and also an opportunity based on my faith. And so that's always a good way to kind of, for me in business or in any type of relationship or any type of public setting is to get that out there. Because if not, a lot of it's just like, well, why do you do this stuff? And it's like, well, yeah, I guess it doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't realize that I, I fully believe in, in, in Jesus. Um, I am involved in a couple organizations, one called Humanity and Hope United. It's a nonprofit that does community development out of Honduras. Uh, YWAM came from, I met this wonderful human uh, who has uh, been sick her whole life, like in a hospital her whole life. And she finally started to get started to get on the road to recovery. And uh, part of what she wanted to do in this kind of chapter of health, because it wasn't going to last forever, was to go on into the mission field and to, to serve people that have maybe not heard about Jesus. And so that's why I made that post. I don't do a lot. I don't do anything really with them operationally. Um, but I, I wanted to support her because I just, I believe in what they're doing. I got to say, I'm, I'm slightly surprised, but even more impressed by you throwing around Jesus. Uh, I feel like in the Hollywood celebrity lifestyle, that's a kind of a rare, a rare thing to be talking about, you know? Yeah, it might be, you know, it's, it's wild. You kind of get out there to LA and you start to realize that there's this like underground uh, belief group uh, and faith group that's really working hard to us and they just haven't maybe had 
the opportunity or it's not it's not attractive in the public setting to talk about it um but for me i don't think any like nothing nothing about this world benefits me at all if if it isn't going to to point to something bigger than i am um and i mean the cool part is that it feels like the more and more i point towards jesus or try to i don't i don't know if i do it great but at least i try the cooler and cooler opportunities come about and so the more and the more and more like real rich conversations i get to have and so yeah uh i don't know i guess i i've never dreamt of being famous um but I always dreamed of having a purpose and and that's what this has kind of led to. Have you, you've, you've always had that perspective or was that a learning process? Cause you know, to a different degree, having married the woman that I did, I've been a part of the, uh, the Hollywood celebrity culture a little bit. And uh, I feel like there's learning phases that go with it. So I'm curious if you were just blessed with that perspective or it was learned over time. Oh no. So like there's, I mean, there's a whole story behind it where God completely rocked my world. Like I was, I, I think if, if I would have been in on the bachelor 10, 10 years ago, it, this whole thing looks a lot different for a lot of reasons, but there's a, there's a moment in my life where, where God showed up big time and um, kind of, I, yeah, for lack of a better term, like wrecked me in the most beautiful ways. And uh, what w- did two things there. One, it showed me that God does exist. And two, it showed, it gave me a perspective that God really cares. And so that kind of set the foundation to then leading into, you know, this time on television where I, when you know that God exists and you know that God cares, it, it almost in a sense forces you, I think, to follow that. Like, I want to follow truth no matter where it's at. Like, I want to live a life of truth and follow truth no matter where it is. And if, if the truth of God that exists, the God that loves and the God that cares, then if then if that truth is there then you have to you have to to live a life representing that so that's it I think that's what happened to me and um no it definitely would not have been a a constant thing it still is a struggle at times but that's it cool I wasn't planning on talking about that but I appreciate you diving in so talk to me about how the whole bachelorette um sequence went down yeah uh wild man so here's my backstory. I'm graduating Indiana University. I moved to Peru, South America because I cannot find a job, nor do I necessarily want to find a job. Um, I live, I grow, I I go there with my buddy. I have this really serious girlfriend that I think's apple of my eye because I wasn't the apple of her eye and uh, just wrecked. Um, Come back to the States because I'm heartbroken. And I pick up a job at, uh, this all sums up here soon, pick up a job at a youth center. My boss at the time was like, Ben, are you really with a college degree going to like pretty much volunteer time to work at a youth center forever? And I was like, yeah, it's pretty nice. I live at home with my parents. I don't pay for much and I make 10 bucks an hour. This is a pretty good, pretty good deal. And she's like, Ben, you're made for so much more. My brother has a job opening in Denver and I want you to go out and take it. So I trusted her opinion. I knew that I needed to step up a bit at that point. Uh, I never wanted to be the only child that lives at home for the rest of his life. And so I grew, uh, grew a pair and grew up, uh, moved out to Denver, took this job, got out to this workplace, and I was still a sad, lost little guy. 
and one of the ladies in the office says, hey, The Bachelor is coming for casting to Denver. Can I take you? Because I think you need some excitement in your life. And um, I was like, I'm not going to casting, but if you sign me up and they call me, then I'll follow up from there. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, we sat down, filled out the paperwork. They called a week later. And this whole thing started really because I was just lost. Like I was just, like, I, I was just boring. Like nothing really, I was writing user manuals in a basement for a software company at the time. And I was single and I hadn't, I didn't have any friends in Denver. And so this was a, just a, a, a way to shake life up a bit. Gotcha. First of all, to describe yourself as a sad, sad, lost little guy. <laughs> yeah, a man. Pretty bleak picture right there, man. <laughs> oh, it was, dude. You should, you didn't want to know me back then. That was a sad time in life. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so then you go through the Bachelorette. Was it an easy decision at that point to to become the Bachelor? Um. Yeah. Honestly, it was. I mean. My time on The Bachelor was great, and The Bachelor at the time, I had a great friendship with, but uh, we were friends, and, and I was pretty clear, and so Caitlin and, and I ended things, and then The Bachelor was kind of the next step that they they asked, like, pretty much right away, they're like, would you want to be The Bachelor? And I was like, you know, this whole thing was fun, and it was a lot cooler than what I was doing, and I really do, like, at this point, you know, being from Indiana, I was 25. And I, at that, I mean, I'm 30 now. That was five years ago. At 25, I was my only friend that wasn't in a serious relationship or married. Hmm. So I was kind of like the outsider looking in. So I was like, I'm ready for a relationship. Like my friends are all in that place. I want to be in that place. It fits my lifestyle pretty well. Um, And my job was getting a little better. And so, uh, yeah, the the bachelor was easy because it kind of aligned with everything else I was wanting to do in life. Yeah, that's cool. So oddly, oddly enough, uh, Sean and I have like, like a lot of connections to the Bachelor Bachelorette. So I played college football with Jordan Rogers, um, and oh, yeah. ultimately played in Oakland with the Raiders with uh, Colton Underwood. And so, <laughs> anyway, I, rem- I remember talking with Colton about after the Bachelorette was over, he was, you know, deciding whether to to do the bachelor or not and he was like he was like you know uh, i feel like the franchise as he called it did a lot of good for me and I'm just trying to figure out if, if doing this is what the next step is that i want to take and obviously ultimately he ended up doing it but uh what what is the uh, what was the post the post bachelor life like i mean obviously way different than the pre-bachelor life yeah it, there's so many things that are different one is I, here's the oddest part of the whole thing. For whatever reason, I am taken more legitimate now than I was before The Bachelor. Like people now pay me to come and speak at things because I was a bachelor. Hmm. Uh, Because I dated 30, you know, 28 women on national TV, (laughs) cried, and then had a, ultimate had a breakup. People were like, hey, you should come speak at my conference. All right, let's let's do that. that's weird uh but great because i love it and i love to talk to people and i love to share my life story with people and i love to hear their life story it is a dream that i get to do that and uh so that's a a difference the other part is um you know you you obviously like uh, you know i I now have a podcast and i'm on tv more uh and i'm kind of used to that it doesn't shake me up a bit i mean i remember back maybe eight years ago i was on my local uh, news network 
and I was so jacked to see myself on TV. Uh, now I don't even watch half the shows I'm on. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a weird thing. But for the most part, my life hasn't changed that much. Uh, actually, right now I'm sitting, and I apologize if the, the audio is not great. I'm sitting in the same car I've driven since my junior year of high school, um, and I still wow. drive it today. I live in the same house. Uh, I have the same friends. My friend group's expanded. Um, you know, my job has changed, but it's not much different. I now do coffee for a living. Um, for the most part, things internally hasn't changed. It's just kind of the outside, I think, on, and the opportunities I get that have been enhanced. Have you been really conscious on, like, on maintaining that lifestyle that you were living? Like, hey, I'm not going to buy a new car even though I could. I'm not going to buy a new house. Yeah, definitely. I mean, part, part of this is, you know, when you're the bachelor, the world celebrates you at one time. Um, and then also there's critics. So those hurt. But for the most part, when you're the bachelor or bachelorette, national television gets behind you. And it's a, it, it can really inflate your ego. And so, and I knew myself and I knew I was just really susceptible to having my ego super inflated. And so I made some really conscious decisions to say, I am not going to, to change up everything until, you know, until it's wise in life until, you know, I, I know I'm doing it because it's a necessity mm. and not just out of like want. Um, and I've, I've tried to stick to that. I'm glad I have, honestly, it's worked out so far because the guy, the man I was six years ago, uh, outside of the fact that I was just unhappy and kind of lost uh but internally it doesn't feel like i don't feel like i don't know myself today based on who i was six years ago wow props to you man today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals BetterHelp online counseling is there for you connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment it's super convenient and you can get help on your own time at your own pace you can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp's licensed professional counselors are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, and more. And remember, anything you share is confidential. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. They have over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across 50 states. It's available worldwide, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. BetterHelp is the most secure, professional, and affordable way to talk to a licensed professional. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Redirected listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code REDIRECTED. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com REDIRECTED. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with your counselor. Simply fill out a questionnaire... Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash redirected. Um, so I'm imagining, I'm imagining this is kind of how it went down. Like you, you get off the show and then you're doing all like the TV and these appearances. But then two, two and a half years ago, you took a trip to Honduras and I'd love to hear what happened there. Yeah, man. Thank you for asking this. This is, uh, this is awesome. So um, 15 years ago, I actually took my first trip to Honduras with an organization called Humanity and Hope United. And uh, during this trip, uh, we saw my buddy and I saw a need to, um, to support people in these communities that have been forgotten and lost without giving them things, but by, uh, by offering them help. And so my buddy, who's a lot smarter than me, started this organization called Humanity and Hope. 
And uh, what it does is it does community development in uh, rural communities in, in Central America. So we go in, we ask them three questions. What do you need? What do you want? And what do you dream of? And then from those three questions, we build a strategic plan and that, that helps implement small businesses, um, that helps implement clean water projects, uh, education, healthcare, build better houses and infrastructure. And, and through this whole experience, there's no like, hey, let me give you a handout. It's, hey, how do we work with you to get there? Well, this organization is flourishing. It's going great. And people's lives are truly being changed by it. Uh, but the fundraising side of it is terrible. And so my buddy, who was the founder and, and president, asked me to be on the board of directors about three years ago. And my role on the board was fundraising. So right when I got on the board, I took a trip to Honduras, uh, realized that I was going to really hate the idea of calling random people asking for money. And so the alternative was, hey, how do we come up with an idea uh, that uh, supports the nonprofit, um, that helps with fundraising without having to ask people for money every year, uh, year over year over year? So we started the company called Generous International, which is a for-profit company that I now um, operate uh, as my full-time job. We sell products from the developing world, uh, mostly coffee, and then we donate 100% of the profits back to organizations. Uh, that are doing some type of work to fight human injustice. Humanity and Hope is our main beneficiary, though. And, uh, yeah, so that's what this trip to Honduras two years ago did. It helped open my eyes to the fact that, that there was, a, that there was a, the ability to sell coffee, support great organizations, and build a tremendous community around the idea of doing good. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so a couple things. One, we have a couple overlapping interests. I went to school at Vanderbilt, studied civil engineering with the intention uh, that afterwards I was going to start, like, I, I wanted to bring clean water to people who didn't have it. And that's, you know, civil engineering was what I thought was the best path to do it. So I actually, oh, I actually want to continue conversations with you after the show about humanity and hope. But then also, I think the first time I reached out to you, I mentioned I wanted to talk coffee to you. And like four months yeah. ago, I dove deep into the coffee world. And it is like, you know, I think the stat I read was over a hundred million people make their living off of coffee. And there's so many injustices involved with that. And so you selling a product, giving it back, like ultimately helping the farmers that are growing the coffee, but then giving the, the, some of the profits back to, um, to people in need. I, I know you have, you've given a lot to like women led businesses, which is fantastic. Yeah. And you've, you've donated over like 30, 30 grand in profit. Yeah, definitely. And so we're in a weird season right now where um, we're, we just started to invest into doing some coffee shops uh, with the idea of a long-term growth. And so we're actually not profitable this year, which is, which was planned right. um, because of our investment in the coffee shops. But in next year, I, I have a feeling that we're going to explode way past 30 grand. We've done 30 grand so far in year one. Year two has been a little bit different just because we've kind of reinvested into some ideas to help us grow further. And then I bet next year we below 30 grand out of the water. Um, first off, that's awesome. I'd love to talk. And, and man, it's so easy to, as a consumer, to go, wow, my coffee prices are good, it's low, so I'm going to buy this coffee. Right. Man, there's so many injustices in coffee. The producers are actually right now, because of what the price of coffee's at and what we're willing to spend as consumers, producers in Central America are actually losing money um, every year, every year for everything they produce. So these farms are hundreds of years old, years old. They have to produce the coffee. It's their only way of living. 
and they're growing these coffee these coffee plants, picking them, selling them, and losing money on the year. It's ridiculous. It, it's absolutely asinine. It's crazy. We have to do something about it because these people don't have clean water, yet the, the purchasers and the uh, sellers in the United States are making millions upon billions of dollars. If you want to get you know get going on coffee, I could yeah. go for a while. But yeah, it's also like a super like it is a hard work project. Like coffee oh, is so yeah. work intensive. Where you watch these videos and people are like hand picking the beans, and they're like it's it's crazy to me. So um, hats off to you. And I was also listening to a couple of interviews. You guys pride yourselves on it is the top quality coffee that you can buy, right? Generous coffee. Yeah, it is. So generous coffee. Go to generouscoffee.com. It is specialty grade coffee. So. Everything we sell will be the highest graded coffee possible. So coffee is graded on a scale of one to a hundred and um, the best of coffees, you know, anywhere from 85 to 90 something. There's, I don't think there's ever been a hundred grade coffee. Uh, but then we always sit in that kind of 85 to, to 90 uh, world. And then, uh, yeah, we sell it online. And then, we're, like I said, we're starting to open up coffee shops. So one of the things we want to do, and, and it often happens when you have like four purpose businesses. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we provided the highest quality as well, because I mean, we could tell a story all day and try to convince people to do good and purchase good coffee or purchase coffee, but unless it's good, nobody's going to do it. And right. so, yeah, we do try to provide the best coffee. Yeah. And you mentioned the coffee shops. You just opened your first, your first coffee shop in Golden, Colorado. Is that right? Yeah. First off, man, I really appreciate all the, uh, all the research you did because th this means a lot to me. A lot of times this stuff goes unnoticed and, and it, and it, kind of is difficult but yeah we just opened up in golden colorado last week was our very first huge, shop it's dude. awesome let's go huge. bro uh, th <laughs> thank you it's awesome man and we've had a line out the door ever since i'm not kidding like i bet right now as i said in westminster i could call the shop operator and they'd be like yeah we have a line out the door today it's been incredible so if you're in golden come to the tributary marketplace and check out generous coffee uh, it is, and a lot of our causes are kind of put up on the board there where you can see what we're trying to do and who we're trying to help. That's great. What's your, what's your go-to coffee order? Uh, you know, right now I'm just a big fan of a really good Honduran drip because it has a good fruit, uh, backing to it. It's a little less dry. Like I don't love a good dry, like harsh coffee. Obviously we're sitting here doing a podcast and you have your own show, um, called almost famous with Ashley. I, you started this yeah. two years ago, and it was kind of it was kind of pre, um, you know, everyone having their own podcast phase. So, what started that? We, well, really, very first proprietary podcast. It was started by a, one of the the women who helped produce a lot of the big talk shows, Ryan Seacrest, Mario Lopez. She just had this idea. She's the Bachelor, and uh, and talk about pop culture and see if it does anything for anybody and we started like all right let's see if i ever make a dime off of this and uh this could be funny and all this stuff long story short we're two years in last week we had the number one episode in the country and it is i mean i don't get paid from generous like generous coffee does not pay me an income because of just how we're set up and how it's modeled the 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 podcast puts food on my table now. It's a weird deal. <laughs> yeah, well, it's fun to listen to. You guys have a great dynamic, um, and you also. I'm sitting here watching the Bachelor finale, so you know I feel like I have the classic story where my wife was big into the show, and then I was a skeptical, like skeptic, yeah. and I started watching, it, and now I'm I'm all in, dog. 
And I'm watching yeah. the I'm watching the finale, and they announced you know Ben Higgins is doing Bachelor Live on stage. So tell me what that's going to be like. Uh, it's gonna be great. Uh, I'm gonna be. <laughs> I've been out of like that Bachelor world for a few years now, and uh, I, I I try to help out where I can. Um, but all of a sudden I get a random phone call, and they said, "Hey, uh, we're starting this live tour that we've been so excited about, and we want you to host it." Wow. And what the tour is this? Uh, Bachelor Nation has been so good to so many people. I mean, Grant, like we were just talking, I have a podcast that literally puts food on my table and I get to talk about The Bachelor. I mean, that's, it's not a bad life. Uh, It's pretty, pretty great. So uh, (laughs) Warner Brothers says we want to go city to city and hit up as many cities as you possibly can in next year to thank Bachelor Nation and to bring the show to them. And so we're going to actually have like, like how it would be set up on the show. We're going to do that. But in these local like uh, cities, we're going to 82 uh, cities. Uh, I'm going to be hosting. We're going to have a bachelor, a couple suitors. They're going to be dating on stage in front of everybody. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be wild. It's going to be really weird and awesome. Wait, so it's actually like in each city, there's going to be a little bachelor. Yeah, man, no that's way. the crazy <laughs> part. Yeah, and like I mean, these state or these uh, places that we have rented out to do the show at have anywhere from like a thousand to two thousand people. Uh, some even have four thousand. So we're, they're going to be dating in front of like four thousand people. Um, wow. On TV, I'm I'm telling you, it's like how awkward it is on the show, everybody, and it, and it's going to help like really feel like the show is being done. Dude, that's, that's going to. Gonna- it's gonna be so much fun. Are you? Do you plan on rocking the mustache throughout the show, or what's the plan with that? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know what, Andrew? I feel like as I get older, um, the mustache <laughs> represents who I am better and better. And so I think, and really, if you think about the best hosts in the history of the of the world, they all have mustaches. I mean, <laughs> no, who are you talking about? <laughs> uh, Alex Trebek. You used to have a good mustache. That's what I think of. <laughs> yeah okay all right we got one example that's fair that's fair uh that's it that's all i need (laughs) you're right that argument does kind of end after that um okay and then so you have you have plenty that you're working on but right now you're also rocking the top gun look with the shades on driving around in uh spotty service colorado i believe but you're doing a wedding festival tell me about it yeah, the reason I'm driving around right now is because I've been traveling for the last month and a half away from Denver, and I just got back this week. Uh, and one of the things that are coming up in my life is we've planned uh, a food and beverage festival in Denver, and I had to drive up to check out our location um, actually today. And so I'm up here right now uh, in Westminster, Colorado, to check out the grounds for the wedding festival. The wedding festival exists. So my my buddies are getting married. And they're uh, event planners, so they know thousands of people across the U.S. And then one night we're sitting at dinner, they're like, how are we ever going to do a wedding and not offend half of our friends? And uh, long story short, we came up with an idea to do a wedding festival where they would get married, and then it would be this food and beverage festival kind of around their wedding so they can invite thousands of people to it. Well, then it got enhanced to say, well, what if we invited others into your wedding to get married as well? So, so now here's the deal. 10 couples are going to get married at one time on a stage. And then the reception is going to be a massive joint reception where food and beverage 
uh, representatives from all over Denver are coming in to kind of sponsor and support and offer the best food, the best beverages. And we're going to celebrate all these weddings at one time. So not only does it lower the cost for the couples to get married, but I also think it's going to enhance their, their wedding experience because it's going to be a massive celebration uh, with a bunch of strangers and friends uh, just enjoying themselves. And so uh, it's going to be crazy. I'm going to be uh, marrying the couples. I am the officiant. So uh, it's going to be weird. It's going to be wacky, but it's going to be a blast. Dude, I am all in on this concept, Ben. I freaking love it, dude. What? That's going to be a blast. Yeah. Here's the thing. I hate I think it's. Dude, our, the way our culture, like, I hate the wedding culture that we have now. And, like, you drop however much, and then you're offending your whole family. It's like, dude, get, get I would rather elope. But now I would rather go to the wedding. What's it called? The, it's called the wedding party. Uh, it's huge. I mean, think about it this way. You're right. So weddings have just, they cost so much money. They take up so much time. Somebody's always going to be mad at it. You know, your best man is going to feel the guy that's not your best man is going to feel like he should have been your best man. All these things happen. And it's like we're missing the point. It's a celebration of love and commitment. And so what if, Andrew, like you're getting married and five of your other friends are getting married like around the same time. What if you all joined up and did a joint wedding? That's a massive celebration. Like instead of putting, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 40 grand towards your wedding, you all kind of break up those costs. And instead, you just have a blowout uh, party. That's what we want to do here uh, because at the end of the day, it's really about celebrating the couples. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the magic in a wedding, like, you know, when you, when you're going to weddings, it's all like, Oh, who am I going to meet? Like what stranger am I going to have this? Like, you know, the connection that only comes with a wedding oh, yeah. party. Like I've a, I love it, man. Hats off. Yeah. To you. So I'm pumped about it. That goes on. Uh, we're going, that's happening September 1st. So right now, yeah, again, I apologize for the lack of uh, clear service, but we're, I'm, I'm up here checking out the venue, which is a beautiful spot in Westminster, Colorado. Wow. So, so you got your, uh, your, your ordained in your wedding officiant oh, yeah. responsibilities. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I've done two weddings this year already. So, so I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I'm, I'm well practiced. <laughs> okay. That's great, man. Um, okay. What I, dude, I just, it's so fun talking to you because you seem like a guy that has some crazy ideas you could call it but you make them happen oh, I'm a weirdo, you don't, you don't just let yeah. it die in the in the thought process you actually follow through so hats off thanks man that's maybe the first time anybody's ever said that to me um because i i got some weird ideas and some of them have failed mightily <laughs> but the coolest part is having these weird ideas and then standing back and seeing stuff happen and like yeah. i mean it's fun to create so i appreciate you saying that it means that does mean a lot it is fun to create. I wish I, I wish I would do it more. I wish other people would do it more. Um, okay, so I was uh, I was listening to to you talking to someone, and you said that you wanted in a partner somebody who is honest, vulnerable, and full of love. Why Why are honesty and vulnerability top two on your list, there, Ben? Uh, well, I believe one thing is, you know, we're in a in a time in life where we like to use the word divisive if it's politics religion if it's relationships marriage whatever it is we we always seem to be using this word divisive and i kind of want to i don't feel like we're in the most divisive time i think we're in the most isolated time and so the question then is if we're in the most isolated time uh what how do we connect 
to, to people? How do we connect to romantic relationships and all that? And I think it's through our vulnerability and our honesty and really through each other, through each of us admitting that we don't have it all together, uh, that we're lacking a lot of things, but we're trying really hard. And so in a partner and a life partner, I want to find somebody that, you know, wakes up in the morning and says, I'm hurting, I'm struggling and, and I can be there for them and, and vice versa. And then also I, I want to find a partner that I get to know at, at their core who they are as a person and who they, who they want to be. And I think vulnerability allows that. So that's why I want to do those things because ultimately if I'm going to be partnering up with somebody for life, I want to actually be a partner to them. Um, and I actually want to be a support system, not just in the good times, but the bad. And um, it's easy to show off when we're in the good times, but the, the bad's when I think real connection happens. Yeah. Well said, man. I, I really resonated with that because Sean and I, talk about all the time we have one rule in our relationship and that's that's we call it transparency like just be honest and we were both when we met at a phase where like we had been a part of relationships that we weren't like really truly ourselves we're trying to cater to the other person and like what they wanted and so it was like hey you know what if you're mad at me like you need like I would really appreciate it if you express that because that's the only way that we can grow and the only way we could you know mature as humans so um I like the honesty vulnerability and and love um so you mentioned you do these speak, these, uh, speaking events. What is, yeah. what is the main message that you try to convey when you speak? Um, I think for the most part, it's this, um, you know, people come to these events cause they probably watch me on television and, uh, uh, I, like, okay, let's say this, for example, uh, I just spoke in an event. It was an influencer event is what it was called. And, uh, and I, re one of the things at this event was there's two messages I wanted to sh share. One is that we're all influencers, um, that none of us are anonymous, that just because you have a social media following doesn't make you any less purposeful than any other person. And so one message is that each human has a purpose, a purpose to, uh, pursue something they're passionate about. Uh, and then I hope that purpose and what they're passionate about is something that's doing good for, for the world. The next is that nobody's a is it has a circle of influence. And within that circle of influence, um, you need to be a community creator. And so I always talk about how, you know, we always sit, uh, one of the common things that I hear often is, is that, no, you know, that people don't feel connected to a community. And that's, it's a great possibility, especially when the world's swirling around us as fast as it is. But my, my hope is that when you see that need and you'd feel disconnected from a community, you would go out then and and create the community that you, you desiring or that you see. And I think each of us have that ability. Um, so those are the main messages is that everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a role in this world and that each of us have the ability to create authentic communities that are doing something good for the world. That's great, man. I, uh, when people ask me for advice on like, Hey, like, should I date this person or should I take this job or should I go to this school? My advice is, is always, if it draws you into closer community with other people, that's the right choice. If it, if mm. it pulls you away, like if you're dating somebody that just wants to like consume all your time, not, not the right choice probably, you know? Um, so you're right. I, wow. That's yeah. That's a great point. Um, okay. So we'll cl close with, I usually ask the same two questions which are, what are your goals? And then three pieces of advice that you've learned professionally or personally um, that you want to share with the audience. But instead of asking, what are your goals? I want to throw this question that you mentioned earlier back at you. What is it that you need? What is it that you want? And what is it that you dream of, Ben Higgins? 
Oh, wow. That's great. Wow. <laughs> um, what do I need? I need connection with people. Um, and God. So I need a uh, relational connection and I need a connection with, with God. That's the thing that, you know, ultimately fills me. Um, and, and also that it's, it would, would, if I didn't have it, it'd be what would paralyze me. So that's what I need. What do I want? I want to leave a legacy on this world that will be at some level impactful on somebody. Um, I want that. I, I want to be a part of incredible stories. I want to be a part of uh, tangible difference. And, uh, and I want to be able to sit down at night, really after as many days as possible and say, today was a good day. Um, and what do I dream of? Uh, I, I dream of, um, I dream of a world that is curious and I dream of a community of people that is curious enough to desire to do, uh, to understand people better. And as a result, will make a bigger impact for the common good because they, they understand people and their needs and their wants and their insecurities better. And, uh, and all those things wrap around really, I think what I see my purpose being, and that's being a part of these cool stories, um, that are just trying to connect people with people. Wow, man. Fantastic answer. What, what are three pieces of advice that you want to share with the audience that you've learned in your journey? Uh, be slow to react, be incredibly, be unashamedly, shamedly, shamedly, <laughs> be unashamed of being incredibly curious, um, and listening, listen more than you talk. Whoa, dude, man. I, uh, I had heard really good things about you before this interview, but, um, you exceeded those in, in, uh, in this past hour. So thank you for the time, Ben. Really appreciated. Appreciate you joining. And, um, it's good to meet you, man, Andrew. It's good to meet you too. Uh, let's talk coffee offline. And then again, if at any level, this, uh, the quality of this was bad, it's, it's not Andrew's fault. It's mine because <laughs> I've been up, uh, visiting Vinny. Yeah, man. Uh, well, we're excited about it. <laughs> <laughs>